You are on Max's Island, a podcast by Meet Max Power. On Max's Island podcast, you'll hear the lived experiences of people who choose to live life a little differently. It might be a story of when they took time out and dared to do something crazy. Perhaps they made a decision to leave it all behind and follow their dreams. Or maybe they just stopped listening to what other people thought and did what was right for them. This experience becomes a story that is part of them and one that you need to hear. So, now that you're on Max's Island, listen to the wisdom in these stories and you too will be inspired to do what you have always wanted to do. For those listeners who haven't heard the previous episode, perhaps that's a good time to go back and listen to Belinda's story from the start. But here in episode two, Belinda talks about teaming up with Andrew Denton and how she decided to walk across Australia from Melbourne to the steps of the West Australian Parliament. And he said, well, if you've got any ideas, fire away. And I know that, and well, I knew at the time that Andrew was a bit of a, um, a taskmaster. He's, um, he's got high standards and likes everything to be done well. And so I went away and thought about it for a week about what kind of ideas I had. And I had some other things like, you know, maybe like a, like, like a sausages or like a, uh, <laughs> like a panel discussion or something. Yeah. <laughs> or something on Facebook Live, you know, something like new and hip like that. And then what I actually came up with was this walk across Australia for my mum. And uh, I took a week to write the email. Um, it was just like this huge long email with all these dot points and, and scribbles and stuff in it um, about how I wanted to walk from Melbourne to Perth in memory of my mum. And to you know speak to people along the way and end like start at Parliament House in Melbourne and end at Parliament House in Perth. And why Melbourne Parliament House? The reason I started in Melbourne was because a year after Mum died, voluntary assisted dying became legal in Victoria. And when I heard that, I remember I was folding my laundry and I dropped what I was holding because I thought, why the hell do people in Victoria? Why, why are they going to be able to access something that my mum asked for, yet in WA we're not going to have that? That's not fair. And so um, I guess by walking from Melbourne to Perth, I was trying to basically convey to everyone around me um, that I wanted that same law to be available in, that's available in Victoria, to be available in WA. And I remember feeling like when I heard that on the radio that it was going to be available, I remember I wanted to put the law in my pocket and walk it back across the country to give it to my mum. But um, you can't walk back in time. So, and I think it's just, you know, um, like many people who lose their parents or, you know, parents get cancer and stuff, you have a lot of guilt. And it's not necessarily legitimate, um, but it's still there. You, You want to have done more. You wish you could have done more. You would have done anything to save them or whatever. Um, and I think it's, you know, for me, the walk was attractive because it gave me a physical outlet to f- process that guilt and that, that, that desire to have done more. And so I pitched the idea um, to Andrew and the waiting between <laughs> sending that email and him getting back to me, I think it was like 18 hours or something, but it was excruciating because <laughs> I'd never met him before. We'd never spoken on the phone or anything. And I was just thinking, okay, he's sitting in his 
living room in a mansion somewhere <laughs> probably thinking who the hell is this girl and why the hell is she um you know making these crazy suggestions and I just you know I was like oh he probably thinks I'm an idiot but um I got the reply about a day later and he said it's a brilliant idea we love it for these reasons one two three four here's what we're gonna do um blah 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 and then that was that, that was, was it. it it just grew from there I love the byline Three million steps to change a law. Yes. Who came up with that? That was Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> These creative <Yeah>. wizards. <laughs> oh, it's funny because it's really been a team effort. And um, what I've loved about working with Andrew and Go Gentle that he's been not necessarily hands on, but he's it's it's really been um, a collaboration. So I came up with you know the white roses was me. That for me that is my mum. My my mum's favourite flower was a rose. We, we, we moved around a lot as kids and there was all, she, she always established a rose garden no matter where we moved. We must have moved three or four times. And then white, I guess, because, you know, there actually were white roses at my mum's funeral and in Asian culture, um, and I'm sure it's the same for, you know, non-Asian culture, um, white roses are, you know, generally, white flowers are present at funerals and so. Um, and it was the flower that I brought in with me when I did my submission to the End of Life Choices Inquiry. Um, so it's know, been part of the journey... Yeah. All the way. It felt weird going in to talk to eight politicians about my dead mum without sort of having some sort of human presence of her. And that's why I brought this giant photo of her face. Probably freaked everybody out a little bit. Um, it was like a, like a mugshot, like for a, for a, um, a passport. And we blew it up. Um, it was for a funeral action. I just reused it. And, um, yeah, brought that in. And it was sort of like an A3 photo of my mum's face. And these flowers. Anyway, so, yeah, the white flowers was my idea. And I want, so I walked from, I wanted to walk from Melbourne to Perth holding a white flower so that I never forgot why I'm walking. And then, yeah, Andrew came up with the byline and then, you know, they organised the T-shirts. And then um, there was another guy who mapped out the stops that I would stop at and, and you know the CEO you know figured out a car rental the support vehicle and everything so it all just came together so beautifully and so organically and there were definitely times where um, it was logistically difficult and um, it was a bit of a challenge to organize but um, you know it all it all wrapped up pretty well I think. Yeah. So what was the biggest challenge in the walk? The mental and emotional um, heaviness of everything that was the t- the hardest thing people the first thing people always do and I'm really glad that you haven't actually the first thing people always do is ask me about my feet they're <laughs> like they'll say oh you know you are walking across Australia or you just walked across Australia how are your feet how are your feet and I think that's such a, a telling um reflection of the way that we approach people um in general when you see someone um you say, I don't know, well, how's your day been or how was work and stuff? And, you know, or, you know, what are you having for dinner? Or, oh, that's a great dress you've got on. All the physical stuff, the tangible stuff. But what you don't ask is, how are you feeling since you broke up with your partner? Um, how are you feeling since your dog died? Um, you know, how are you, how are you going with that struggle with your boss at work? You focus on the things that you can see and touch and, and the it's physical. Easy. Yeah, it's easy. It's um, interesting. That's, that's one of the premises on Max's Island. Mm. Uh, we, the whole purpose of, of this podcast series is to take people from thinking to feeling. Yeah. So, um, and it's, it's great to, to understand how you were feeling, yeah. not only during your mother's illness, but also in your own personal challenge of, of walking across because 
it's not just about the physical side of walking across mm. and the, the ability to be able to you know, take three million steps. Mm. But it's about what you were thinking in your mind and what feeling did that evoke? Absolutely, yeah. Um, there was a lot of, you know, got a lot of flashbacks and, you know, pretty much anything you could you would predict it, that's what happened. Um, you know, a lot of flashbacks of, you know, the good times from, you know, when I was growing up with her and then a lot of nasty flashbacks of, you know, the, the screaming and um, the ambulances and, and the blood and, you know, all the other stuff that comes out of a person. Um, you know, being a full-time carer, um, you have to do a lot of handling and that was pretty nasty too. So um, a lot of those really awful flashbacks came back as well. And when you're walking for hundreds of kilometres on an open road, not too many distractions. <laughs> the flashbacks come, on, come in pretty hard and fast. So that was really, I was, um, it, took a bit of, it took a bit of adjusting. But I found that the more I walked and the more I met people and met other people who had been through the same thing, the easier it was to sort of deflect those things and to say more focused on walking. Um, but yeah, by far the emotional and mental stuff was really, really hard. So what was the one thing that you didn't expect to happen during the trip, during the walk that did happen? I was not expecting the magnitude of people to tell me that this had also happened to them. That was completely, it was unreal. Everywhere I stopped, because I did, I basically, you know, walked from <clears throat> Melbourne to Perth and let's say like, you know, after I got past the WA border, I did like Eucla, Kalgoorlie, Cambalda, and then went down to Esperance and did, you know, Albany, you know, Walpole, Denmark, um, all the, you know, the, the holiday towns, whatever you want to call it. Um, and so in any given week, I'd meet groups of people two or three times a week. And it could be one person or it could be 25. And everywhere I went, even at the petrol station or like at the, the campsite shared bathroom, I'd meet people and I'd tell, tell them what I was doing. And it was just rife in the community, these stories of people who had also seen their mothers, fathers, grandmothers, grandfathers, nieces, nephews, brothers, sisters, partners, um, babies, whatever, like all these people suffer really badly so badly that they didn't talk about it to their immediate family and friends um because it was just that traumatic but they felt okay talking to me about it because i've really put myself out there and you know i was kind of an easy person to share it with but um it was almost like this hidden heartbreak that everyone was carrying around and it, you know it was not every person that i met along my walk across australia but there was just so many more than i was expecting yeah we a lot of the work I've, I've done with people with lived experience of a range of things, people in, with mental health challenges, people who have been homeless, those um, at-risk people, the, I think the value is teaching, coaching, helping them be trauma-informed as they tell their story. Yeah. And because a lot of people... Uh, don't know how to deal with that trauma and therefore they don't tell the story yeah. and they keep it bottled up and, and, and you know it's important for everybody to talk about these things and, and to build the narrative around it mm. now when you got to Perth I noticed on the footage Andrew Denton was here he was so tell us what happened at Parliament House what happened at Parliament House well it was some bit of a blur it was only two weeks ago I had always intended to arrive on the 6th of August because that's the day that the politicians came back from their holiday. 
I didn't know until I walked across Australia that politicians have to go on holiday at the same time. Otherwise, they can't run the parliament. Like, otherwise, they can't have everyone there. So all politicians go on holiday at the same time and they come back at the same time. And after the day after the winter recess was the 6th of August. So I was like, okay, that's when I'm going to get to Perth because that's... I want to send a message that it's go time, you know. But it was also the day that the WA parliament finished drafting the bill for voluntary assisted dying in 2019. So it was kind of, um, you know, the, the West Australian ran a, a story the day before, which was like, oh, it's 6th of August is like voluntary assisted dying D-Day. And that's really what it was. Because you had Andrew Denton in town, who's, you know, pretty much the number one pro-VAD campaigner in Australia. And then you've got, you know, the bill being presented. And you had me arriving at Parliament House. And then you had, you know, Andrew, uh, Adam Gilchrist, you know, showing up, <laughs> surprising everyone. Um, and also a funny story about that. Yes. Um, I had been speaking to Belinda about this and about what she'd been doing and her walk um, via Instagram. And she said, look who I just bumped into. And where were you? I was at the treetop walk in the Valley of the Giants. Yeah. And you said, look who I've just walked into and sent a photo of her and Gilly. I then, must have been two days later, walked outside of my office. Guess who walked past me? <laughs> and I said to Belle, oh my gosh, I just walked past Adam Gilchrist. It's a sign. This, I don't know what the sign is, but... <laughs> so funny. And that, on that, um, yeah, I think I mentioned this when I messaged you. It was a complete coincidence that I ran into him. So we were aware of each other while I was walking because Andrew had just sort of, you know, spread the message amongst his friends that I was walking across Australia and, like, I don't know, it kind of struck a chord with, with Adam Gilchrist. So we were already sort of in touch and we, we both just happened to be doing the treetop walk at the Valley of the Giants one day and bumped into each other and um, someone, uh, Flo, I think, yeah, so my partner would stop to take a photo of me so I could put on my Instagram because I've got, you know, I was doing a lot of social media. And then Adam Gilchrist pops up behind him and goes, Belinda? And I looked at him and I was like, Gilly? Yeah. <laughs> and then we had a hug and I was like, what are you doing here? And I thought that the manager had, um, like, planned the whole thing. The like a reality show. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, is this Big planned? brother, Belinda. No, but it was completely um, spontaneous and a complete coincidence. And so I was like, wow, this is, this is nice. And I, I had these petitions in my bag and I had flies in my bag. And I was like thinking, should I give him, should I give him petitions? Should I give him to come something? And I was like, no, play it cool, play it cool. Just like, be nice and talk to him. Anyway. So, um, but yeah, he ended up coming on the 6th of August as well. Um, but essentially, yeah, the, the plan was, you know, meet people at King's Park, you know, a handful of people, and then uh, walk the final kilometre, because it was three and a half thousand kilometres from Melbourne to Perth. Um, walk the final kilometre, sort of symbolically, everyone come together from King's Park to Parliament House. And there wasn't just a handful of people at King's Park that walked oh, with yes. Belle. More than 300. The head yeah. count was. I think, I think it sort of fluctuated because people had lunch breaks and stuff. But um, it ended up being about 300 and something. Um, so, yeah, you know, got to Parliament House. At, you know, oh, sorry, before that we did uh, a nurse's walk. So because mum was a nurse, um, I, I wanted a nurse's send-off in the morning. It would just I just knew that it would have meant a lot to mum to start the day with her colleagues, essentially. Um, and my mum was, you know, she worked in Perth as a nurse for 23 years and she worked in all kinds of institutions like, you know, aged care hospitals and everything. So... Half of the bloody like population of nurses in Perth were my mum's colleagues, and they knew her. And it's true that um, when I showed up at, uh, it was just nearby Fiona Stanley Hospital. That was our starting point. 
and we walked to Murdoch Station. About a third of the people that showed up the, out of the 30 nurses or so, they were ex-colleagues of my mum. Wow. So it was really cool. Um, so started the day with them and then Channel 9 came and did like a live TV interview with like me and all the nurses. So that was good to kind of, you know, get people excited. And then we walked um, from Murdoch Station to Perth, take, took a bit of a shortcut, but yeah, we walked down to, to uh, up to Kings Park together. And then that's where I latched onto the rest of the supporters. And um, we got there and I wasn't sure what to expect. I was hoping for 100. And when I got there with all these TV cameras and all these people holding roses, it was just... So beautiful. And what did the politicians do? The politicians were waiting for us at Parliament House. So we we were at Kings Park and then Gilly latched on and then you know lots of us started walking. And it was just so peaceful. Did you do did you it do the was, walk? Um I didn't do the walk but I met everyone at Parliament House. Right, okay. Um and just the the energy and the vibe. Mm. You know, there were a couple of people that were in groups, but a lot of people like myself were just there on my own. Um, for the purpose of seeing you in this final journey and just yeah. the atmosphere and the coming together of people that didn't know each other but were all there for one cause mm. to support you. It was just, it was a really, you know, hard to describe feeling. But yeah. it was a beautiful people place. People have made that remark like there was just something in the air mm. um, about it that I, because if you go back, the, the Facebook Live video is now on my Facebook page. So you can go back and like, you know, watch the whole thing again. It's like 20 minutes. And it's almost silent. Like there's a bit of people talking and stuff when we're walking from Kings Park to Parliament House and people kind of like bobbing around with their roses and, you know, in the front with Andrew having like a little quiet conversation and just like having a bit of a laugh and we're walking and just so relaxed. And it was, you could hear all the birds singing and there wasn't any traffic because it's like the middle of the day. And it was just so peaceful. Um, and then, you know, we got to Parliament House and I was already pretty overwhelmed with how many people showed up at Kings Park. And then we got to Parliament House and there was like, this, you know, a huge crowd of politicians in their black suits, like sort of staggered all the way down the steps of Parliament House in rows. Um, and then you had the health minister there waiting and then the, the premier and Malcolm McCusker, who, you know, um, he was on the expert ministerial panel. And then um, oh, like 20, 20 um, cameras. And um, I just started crying because it was just everything I could have dreamed of for that day. It all came true. And even the weather. Oh, it was a beautiful day. <laughs> it was a beautiful day. And there was, it was like 80% chance of thunderstorms for that day. But we had like perfect weather. So yeah, we got there and I was just crying. I was hugging the Premier and I'm crying. And then I did my speech and um, the Premier was just so amazing. Like he just got up there with like no notes and just said something really beautiful about um, what this law was for. So it's the day they introduced the bill, what the law was for, um, and you know welcomed me home and thanked everyone for coming, and then I said my bit and made everyone cry, and that I was did. good. <laughs> I just want to ask you one more question before we wind up. Yeah. Have you changed in the last couple of years? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, a lot, a lot. I'm a lot more self-confident. Uh, I don't think that all my ideas are dumb anymore. Um, some of my ideas are okay. They're not too bad. Well, Andrew Denton thought it was pretty good. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've got the I've got the, the seal of approval from Andrew Denton, so that's good. I think um, my journey with grief has been what's shaped me the most. Learning that um, grief is something that you live with for your whole life. You never get rid of it. Well, for me personally, anyway. Um, and it's something that um, has really shaped me as a person and has been um, a source of strength and. 
um, inspiration for you know that's led me to do all these other things and I don't think grief is something we should run away from it's something we should embrace because it can lead to so many um, so many good things as well as long as we, we can't run from the fact that we're human you know well Belinda thanks for being on Max's Island thank you your mum would be very proud of you thank you for what you've done and you should be very proud of yourself we encourage all our listeners to join the crusade absolutely thank you and I'll just add something in there's, there's actually so many things you can do to um, to help the cause, but I'll just sort of rattle them off. There's the, you know, contact the politicians. I've also got a petition, which is we're going to be accepting petitions until sort of late October. That's on my website as well. You better tell us the website. Yeah, so the website is www.belindasbravewalk.org.au. And then if you just Google Belinda Tay or Belinda's Brave Walk, you'll find my Facebook and Instagram. Sorry, so, my Instagram and Twitter as well. So for listeners, that will be in the show notes. Yeah, and um, Gilly is uh, he's collecting signatures. So you can come and join our crew, me and Gilly, <laughs> taking on the world. And I think just the, the most of all, like if you can't do anything else, um, have a conversation with your family or your, you know, your best friend, your, your friends or, I mean, you know, maybe not your colleagues, but... Um, well, I've spoken to my colleagues about it and, oh, good. you know, I, a lot of them have actually watched your journey. Oh, um, great. But as I began mentioning your name, they said, well, tell me more. Okay. And so you're right, loading yourself with ammunition of knowledge, mm. it's important because when absolutely. you do start those conversations, mm. you'd be surprised about people that are actually interested. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I withdraw that statement. <laughs> 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 um, yeah, just ha- don't be afraid to, to have a conversation about what kind of situation that you want, might want for yourself. Uh, and I guess for the younger generation, it's not, it's not really something that's on the, the top of our minds. But like, you know, for, for in my situation, um, when I'm talking to my friends who are also 27 years old, I'd say, you know, have you spoken to your parents about what they want later on in life? It doesn't have to be how they want to die. It could be something like, well, have they got a will? Are you, do you know if they've got one? Do you know where they keep it? Um, do you know if they would prefer not to be resuscitated? Do you know if they don't want to be on a feeding tube? Like, there's all these crazy things that people can do to you medically if you get into trouble. And if you're, if you know, if someone's unconscious and you have to make that decision for them, it kind of sucks if you haven't talked about it. So I, I guess I'm just, I'm trying to sort of soften the face of end of life, not in a, in a, a like uh, trying to um, trick anyone into anything but just trying to make it more palatable and approachable for people so that they can have the conversation um it's a conversation we really need to have in australia and we're not we're not having it enough and the more we have it the more better our chances are of being able to um develop a a community and a society where we deal with this issue so much better than we right than we do right now so and it's an and inevitable thing absolutely so why are we not discussing it yeah and like we can't change the fact that it happens but we can change the way that we perceive it and approach it so So thanks Belinda for being on Max's Island and good luck for the future thank you so much for having me we spoke on the bus on the way home from work he was lost in the details of life Each day was a blur, all work and no play And how, how it had turned out this way He told me his plan, a short-term escape Five weeks on the Bibbulmin track Go it alone, no one to blame If he finished, 